All right. Looks like we are recording, maybe. So, uh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. This is Mike, and you're listening to Driving Theology. It is a uh, October Wednesday. Now, which October Wednesday, you ask? Well, that is the question. <laughs> Monday was the 17th, so this must be the 19th. Yeah, sorry, I had to let this guy by. So, yes, it is uh, October the 19th. It's Wednesday, it's a little bit overcast. We had some rain yesterday, but it looks like the uh, sun is on the way. In fact, it's shining right where I am, right as I said that. The sun came through the clouds. How is everybody else doing? Uh, oh, wow. Now in front of me, nothing but blue sky. Nothing but blue sky from now on. Blue skies. Uh, yeah, that's an old song by... Uh, who's, who did that song? Most famously, uh, I want to say it's Julie, Ju, uh, Judy Garland. It is Judy Garland. Yeah. Nothing but blue skies from now on. Something like that. Uh, it was also featured, actually, in the movie. Um, drive. Also featured in the movie uh, White Christmas with Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye. Uh, they did this piece at the very beginning uh, as a duet. Um, yeah, this is not a Christmas song, obviously. Um, but it's a, yeah, anyway, it's one of my favorite Christmas movies. Uh, whatever that was. White Christmas, yeah. So, anyway, uh, man, theologically speaking, not much is going on uh, since last week. Um, You know, there are times when you feel like you're in a slump in your relationship with Christ and and you you feel like there's, you know, something wrong. The interesting thing about right now is I don't feel like I'm in necessarily a slump. It's not that it's not that I'm doing everything right. It's not that. Um, it's just that uh, I kind of have lost. Um, no, I don't know about that. Maybe it's just a thing right now. Maybe it's just how I feel today. I don't know. I don't feel the shame I used to feel um, because I didn't take part in certain things or rituals or this or that. I've gotten more freedom from that shame. It's not a complete thing. I'm sure there are days when it's worse. You know, days when it's bad and days when it's not so bad. But that's how those things seem to go. But yeah, right now, things are pretty good. We are getting closer to our uh, Halloween festival, which is about 10 days away. 
which is something we do every year. And this year we're going to have maybe like a double the number of kids we usually have. I think it's post-COVID rebound numbers maybe. Uh, of course, we're not post-COVID. I don't think we'll ever be post-COVID anymore. COVID's just part of what we're doing, but or who we are. But I think people are starting to, at least some people, are starting to get out and about a little bit more. Uh, I'm still kind of uh, pursuing jazz a little bit, trying to trying to get my foot in the door of, of, of that niche in music. Uh, I've got a bassist that potentially might want to play with me and uh, talk to a few pianists, but the, the piano player is the hardest part of all this and the most important. Uh, that's something I'm going to have to secure somehow. And I really need to do it within a couple weeks because we only have really two weeks Oh, sorry, two months until these Christmas gigs that I want to do would, would be coming if I book them. Um, so, yeah, kind of need to get that going. Um, how well... All right, I'm gonna, this is going to be a, an abrupt segue. This is just something that came up on my feed today, and it was a, it was a quote by Peter Enns. Pete ends. Uh, and the quote was, I no longer, something like this, this is not going to be a direct quote, it's going to be a paraphrase. I no longer have confidence in my understanding of God. No, I, I, no, I no longer have confidence that I understand God. just confidence in my understanding of God. Alright, that's not the best way to say that either. But I think you understand, right? So I, I, I no longer boast that I know who God is. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't have any confidence that I know who God is. I'm just confident in my own understanding of God, if that makes sense. Um, and then uh, a guy, another guy who I follow, I follow Pete Enns a bit, but another guy who I follow probably a little bit more closely, he commented that he doesn't even have confidence in his own experience of God. Right? So not only, he says, he says he's even past that, he says, not only do I not have confidence that I know who God is, I'm not even confident that I understand my own experience of God. And that, that's such a rarely refreshing take. But both of them are, right? Both of them are. Uh, and I think, I think when, you, when you come down to, to sayings like this, you're really going to get into semantics. Some semantics or semantics. I think you're going to, you know, the difference between understanding God and understanding your experience of God are are really, in a sense, the same because our understanding of God is from our experiences, right? It's from our standpoint. So when, when Pete Enns said that he doesn't have confidence that he understands God, but he's only confident in his understanding of God, he's really saying the same thing as, I don't understand God at all. 
because because I, I think Pete Enns would agree that we really can't even trust our own perspective. And I wish... So both these guys, I think, are really saying the same thing. Uh, I wish that more Christians would have this uh, perspective. That they can't trust their own perspective. Uh, it's a super important skill to have to be a good human being in the world. And I wish I could tell you how how much this affects the world to not accept the fact that your perspective might be wrong. You know, the, the, the effect that insisting that your perspective is the right perspective on the world, uh, I just don't think can be overstated. Um, we take a lot of pride in our opinions, especially if you're American, right? Um, it's, it's, kind of part of being American. It's almost like, you know, what do we consider being American? And an American is somebody who uh, expresses their opinions and has the right to say whatever they want um, without consequences of, of uh, prosecution. No, not persecution, but prosecution. <laughs> That's freedom of speech. Um, so we so often... Uh, almost to the point that it's a virtue, believe that our opinions are valid. And I suppose on, on one level, your opinions are valid because they reflect your experience, right? Your opinions are made based on uh, how you experience life. It's true enough, right? It's, of course, that's right. Um, the problem comes when we try to impose our perspective, which uh, has been created from our experiences, onto other people who have different experiences and therefore a different perspective, right? Um, that becomes the problem. So, so, what is evangelism? What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to... to to spread the gospel then, right? How can we how can we say anything if our perspective isn't valid? And I think I think we have to go to and this is going to sound cliché, but let's go let's go right to Jesus for this. You know, let's let's think of of Jesus and how he uh, may be able to speak to um perspective okay um, Jesus as Christians believe is God who who entered flesh right Jesus is is um, God in a man's body and as the Bible describes it he came to earth right Jesus came to earth he became a man. Uh, and I think you can read into there, he became a man to, to have a different perspective. Now, does God need a different perspective? Can't, doesn't he know everything? And, and can't he uh, know what he needs to know without entering a man's body? That is a big question. 
I don't have the answer to that. One side of me says, you know, God is almighty and and all-knowing. And therefore, God, you know, there's nothing God can't do. You know, that that's, that's one thing you can say. But then you have to also then ask the question then then why did Jesus come why why did God come in the in the person of Jesus then um, if not to gain a different perspective and I think I don't think it has to be either or um, I think from the human perspective just knowing that the Almighty, creator God was willing to humble himself and become a man and to put himself in a in a human body uh, that gives us a new perspective on who God is for sure right that gives us a new idea that that's a new definition of God God is now we can say God is a God who who is not afraid to come from down from his throne. Sorry, the car has stopped here. We've got an ambulance trying to go somewhere or do something. I'm not sure what's going on here, but we maybe stop for a little while here until they figure out how the ambulance is going to get in to help these old people. Um, so, you know, on the one hand, yeah, probably God could know what he needs to know without, you know, actually becoming uh, a human. There may be another way that he could have done it. But I think the benefits of doing the, doing something the way that God chose to do them is, is great for us. And it gives us a wonderfully fresh perspective. It increases the goodness of God in many ways, right? God is is better, so much better than we could have ever imagined. Man, this ambulance cannot get to where it needs to go. <clears throat> I don't know why it couldn't just back in there. Strange. Okay, here. All right. Sorry. Hope you guys get to the sick person. Yeah. Okay. So going back to understanding God, right? Um, the the value of humility is really difficult to measure. Like. Um, is it more important to to know or to be humble? Is it more important to have to have knowledge and wisdom, or is it more important to have humility? Which is the which is the the virtue uh, that is the greatest, right? Well, of course, Jesus answered this. There's nothing greater than love. Love is the greatest command, right? Uh, love, as uh, other apostles have taught us, in the you know, love covers a multitude of sins. Uh, Paul told us, right? Um, if, if you don't have love, you really don't have anything. 
So above all is love, but love I think is really, really intimately tied up with humility. Right? To, to love something uh, is to place that person, to love someone I should say, is to place that person above yourself. Right? If we're talking about agape love, right? Uh, humility is very important in love. Very important. In fact, maybe without humility, there is no true love. Because love, true love, agape love, is a surrendering, right? You have to surrender yourself uh, in a sense, right? Uh, because you have to love someone at least as much as you love yourself. Uh, and, and to love sacrificially as Jesus did, as we're told to love one another, right? Is, is, to, is to be humble enough to put that person's needs above your own. That's the Jesus model of love, right? And so humility, humility is really paramount. And maybe humility is a good barometer to gauge how much we love, right? Because pride, I think pride and love are, are juxtaposed, right? They, they contradict one another. Where there is pride, love is diminished, right? Um, at least, at least somewhat, right? To be a truly loving person, I think pride has to be squelched, and humility has to be exalted. <laughs> exalted humility. Wow, uh, that's that's a phrase for you. Um, but I really can't think of it any other way. I mean. Humility is a really important thing to have. Uh, and it's something actually, it's, humility is something that life continually tries to teach us. Right? It, it seems like so many of the things that we go through in life, uh, we, we tend to be faced with our inability uh, to control and our inability to understand uh, and our inability to overcome certain things in our life. And when you're faced with your own um, insufficiency, or in insufficiencies, I should say, uh, that's humbling. That's humbling. And that's, those, are the, those are the things that we're supposed to learn, right? That's, those, those are the lessons that we should take away from all of the uh, lack of control we have over the chaos that life throws at us. Um, <laughs> sometimes the best thing you can do for yourself is when life is throwing, uh, you know, a bunch of chaos at you, is just to throw up your hands and say, I can't. You know, I, I, I can't deal with all this. I don't have the power to order all this chaos. It is beyond me. Right? It's beyond me. That doesn't mean to give up. What it means is you, you, you humbly understand uh, what you can control and what you can't. Uh, 
and and then you leave the you know you leave the results um, to be what they're going to be. You just then say, okay, I can't control all that. What can I control? What is in my circle of influence, my circle of control? Well, I can control how I feel about things. That's one thing I can do. Uh, I can control my own actions and my own habits uh, for the most part, right? I, I can make, whoa, really fast. I can make better choices, okay? Uh, what can't I control? I can't control the attitudes of others. I can't control the choices of others. Uh, I can't control how others think and feel. I can't control how they feel about me and what they think about me. Um, and so humility, humility will allow you to to kind of bring order to chaos in that you are you are you know putting the chaotic things that you can't control in one category and the the things that you can control you can start to order and that way the chaos doesn't overwhelm you you've put it aside right those things i have no control over what do i have control over um i'm going to talk about my wife a little bit and she may one day hear this podcast. She's she's not a listener of the podcast because she lives with me. So she she's kind of a gets the podcast in its rawest form all the time. My wife tends to get overwhelmed. Number one, because she's uh, an energetic and competent person. She she gets things done. She knows how to move. Uh, people and and organizations. She's she's a leader, right? She's good at that stuff. Um, I said number one. Maybe that's the only number one, but maybe there's one or two or three in there. Anyway, she she tends to say yes to too many projects, and people tend to ask her to do things. Maybe too many things. People depend on her. You know that somebody once said, "If you wanna, if you wanna, if you wanna get something done, ask a busy person, right? Because busy people are busy because people trust them to do stuff. They're busy because they're good at being busy, right? So if you want something done, ask a busy person. Delegate to a busy person, not the person that nobody trusts to do anything. That person is not busy because because they don't come through." I sip my coffee. Now, what that tends to mean is that the good people, the good workers, the uh, the competent people, get crapped on. That does tend to happen. Um, they get taken advantage of. And so, if you're one of those people, you really have to learn to say no. Uh, but if, if you are one of the people that likes to be in charge, saying no is going to be very difficult for you. You want to say yes to everything because you want people to depend on you. Uh, 
down deep. There's a there's a part of you that needs that, right? Maybe you need the validation of that. I don't know. Now it's been several years, but I became a person who says no, right? I, I decided to be that person. Um, and I don't really take on too much anymore. Uh, and there, there's, you know, there are drawbacks for that. There are drawbacks, right? There, it, people will stop asking, right? People will eventually know that you're a person that's not going to say yes all the time. And they'll just stop asking. They'll leave you alone a little bit. But that means you're also less involved. Um, there are drawbacks to saying no. But where I'm at right now is that, you know, I want to I want to start doing some projects that I'm that I'm initiating that I'm starting. Anyway, I was going to talk about my wife last night. She got overwhelmed with a lot of stuff's going on. Autumn in Japan is very busy. And I said, you know, I told you we're in the in the middle of doing this community project. This uh, well, it used to be just our Halloween party basically for our school. But now it's it involves a whole community and we do a whole trick-or-treating thing and involves 20 or so businesses uh, in our little town and, and it really uh, has become a big to-do and we're looking to make it even bigger possibly but it happens to coincide with her also being in charge of uh, my wife does flower arranging Japanese flower arranging and she's she's one of the officers in charge and so she's very busy with that as well not only that she takes care of our family you know she 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 runs our english school uh, she has her elderly father that lives with us she takes care of the financial stuff she's you know i have a hard time reading japanese there's a lot of things i can't do and i shouldn't do because it'd be dangerous if i was in charge of that stuff and so she does a lot of that stuff um and so, you know, last night she was just getting overwhelmed and it was just, you could tell the chaos was just making her eyes basically spin. Um, and I knew that there was very little I could do uh, to help her in that moment. But what I could do is encourage her to go to bed earlier. Go to bed, you know, just do the next great thing. Just keep breathing. You know, things always tend to work out and, you know, just go forward. And so I just tried to encourage her to do that. This morning she seemed a lot better. And I did get up early and try to help her uh, with her morning stuff and all the stuff that she had to do to make her day just a little bit easier. Uh, I hope it helped. Um, but, you know, she she's, she's stuck in that rut of, you know, everybody depending on her. And everybody depends on her because she's incredibly dependable. Uh, but probably she should learn to say no once in a while. Probably. I'm not going to presume to know exactly what she needs to do with her life. But I, f I do feel like it would, it would bring her a little bit more happiness if she once in a while said no. Because <laughs> she gets, you know... She's overwhelmed. Not to mention, she was, you know, pretty much in charge of my concert. She managed uh, the concert that I just finished a couple weeks ago. Well, it's been a month now, but 
anyway, uh, back to, back to humility. Uh, humility is a very important aspect of love. Very important aspect. And, and I think especially in America, humility is not something that, that we preach much anymore. Um, humility doesn't go well with dominating, right? In America, America and American society, whether it's business or military or, or whatever, it's all about dominating. It's all about competition and, you know, being competitive. Uh, and we're doing on time here. I've checked. Uh, Going to be a little tight. So, yeah, I, I think um, all of us uh, can use a little bit of humility. Uh, maybe not all of us. I'm sure some people have are incredibly humble people. Uh, I have my uh, blind spots when it comes to um, pride as well. I think everybody probably does. But am I saying everybody does? So I'm trying to make myself better, feel better about you know my own blind spots. <laughs> probably, uh, <laughs> that's probably true. Yeah, uh, man, where did we start? So. More preachers, more pastors, more church leaders, um, more Christian leaders anywhere. Once in a while, they need to admit that they don't know and that that's okay. It's okay to not know. Right? It's okay to say, hey, I don't have God all figured out. I don't have the Bible all figured out. I'm on this journey same as you. You know, I may be ahead of you a little bit in some ways. I may be behind you a little bit in some ways. Being a pastor doesn't have to be about what you know. Being a pastor really should be about how much you care. How much you care for others. How much you love others. Uh, how concerned you are uh, for others' well-being and happiness. To me, that's what makes you a pastor. So much has been, you know, so much pastoring uh, has been about um, keeping people in line with certain religious practices. Right? Making sure that people are doing the right stuff, doing the right stuff at the right time, with the right people at the right place, right? Uh, whether whether or not people are, are gathering regularly and whether or not people are giving money. About keeping butts in the pews. Um, maybe the reason we call them pews is because they've had too many butts in them. <laughs> Probably not. Sorry, that's a bad joke. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so humility, pastors, teachers, preachers, we all need more humility. Humility. People need to know that we don't have everything figured out. Uh, that whatever we think we know today, uh, 
could be wrong and I may have to change what I know today uh, to something else. You need to, to be humble about that. I don't have a problem saying you need to be humble about that. I need to be humble about that. Leaders, you don't have to have it all figured out. But what people need to know about you is that you care for them. And you need to care for them. You need to, to show that you care for them. Be concerned about people's well-being. Not about how they think theologically. Not about whether they have it all figured out or whether they understand the Bible completely. Because those things aren't even possible. What is possible is that uh, we can love each other. We can depend on each other. We can come alongside one another in the hardest times of life. That's something we can do. What a great thing that is. Way better than academic knowledge of of the Bible. Now again, the Bible is a great book. I love it. I've quoted it even today. Um there's a lot of great stuff in the Bible. But knowing the Bible does not equal knowing God. In fact, I know a lot of people who know the Bible frontwards and backwards, but I'm not sure they've met God. And that was me. That was absolutely me. And again, it still is me to some extent, right? It's not a, it's not an all-or-nothing thing. Yeah, one of the things you should admit to knowing is that you don't know everything. You don't have God figured out. You don't have the Bible figured out. Uh, you can admit that your perspective is not the only perspective, and you can just commit to people. And let them know that hey, let's let's figure this out together. You know, let's lean on each other. Let's help each other bring a little more order to our chaotic lives. And uh, yeah, best thing you can let your parishioners know is that you're not going anywhere. You know, I'm here. I'm here for you. Not going anywhere. Not not at least for now. And even if I go. Somebody will take my place. Of course people go. You know, you can't, can't not go. But at least while you're there, you can be there. If that makes any sense. All right, well, I'm going to cut this off. And, uh, yeah, I hope I said something today that uh, speaks to you. Uh, that was important. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.